What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, former Eastern Michigan Eagle, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. You already know the deal. Just win, baby. Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. And welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Um, back for another week. Uh, we did say that we're, we'd be back or not. It's questionable, but we're here. We're hanging on by our fingertips to a season. Um, kind of going to put that to bed a little bit until we get some more concrete news, I think, a little bit. I think for me personally, I don't like talking about all that. It's getting me down a little bit and worrying about the season. Uh, joined by just two people in the huddle today. Uh, we've got Andy and Kieran with us. Uh, boys, how are you both? You okay? Kieran, I'll start with you. How are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, d- doing good. Still, we're still trying to see what's going to happen this season. But uh, like you said, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Andy, same question to you, mate. How are you? you? Okay, good weekend. Yeah, all good, mate. Yeah, just uh, trying to get ready for the, the the lightning and the in the hockey playoffs and the and the magic and the basketball. So yeah, good. Uh, that, those two sports seem to be doing uh, really well with everything. So like, hopefully, setting a good example for for football. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some good sporting times for yourself, isn't it? On, on a couple of fronts at the moment. Definitely, yeah. A bit lucky. Not not on the uh, not on the English football side of things, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always a mixed bag. That one out. <laughs> it's always a mixed bag. So, like I say, we're gonna um, we're gonna kind of turn away from kind of the COVID stuff. I was gonna mention it a little bit. I've got some news just to start off with, um, but we're gonna kind of move away from that a little bit until we get some more concrete news, as I said earlier. Um, and today, we're gonna discuss some transfers, some players that we would like to see transferred. It's a bit of a hypothetical. I know that it's a bit late in the day, obviously, with the season only a few weeks away, and maybe that isn't the most ideal situation to be changing teams in and things like that. But, you know, there's some, maybe some fantasy elements into it in terms of us wanting this to happen, not maybe the game fantasy football. But yeah, like I said, we'll start off with some news then. So the Big Ten uh, just doesn't go away, does it, boys? Um, obviously, starting a big petition now, Justin Fields at the forefront of it. Ed McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey's dad, getting involved as well. Uh, obviously, Michigan alumnus. So, um, yeah, what, what's everyone's think, thought about this? It's the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have kind of gone in two different directions really, haven't they, with the way they've handled this so far. Andy, I'll bring you in on this. What, what do you make of this? Is it, is, is it just going to rumble on? How do you think? Is it, are they just, they're not going to go quietly by the looks of things, are they? No, exactly. I think you're right. I don't think they are going to go quietly. But I mean, I was looking today as well. You saw you seen like um, kids back on on college campuses, and, and and like none of them are adhering to like social distancing stuff and that. And, and I guess I just kind of uh, we've been talking about it from like the sports perspective and everything like that. But that that kind of image just rammed home the fact that that these guys are just also students and stuff as well. And like, how are they intending to keep these vast campuses and stuff uh, just complete? You know, like in a bubble or whatever, so to speak, and uh, it's going to be really difficult. And that then translates to the players, doesn't it? Because, you know, all it needs is for one player to get it and you've suddenly got a locker room full. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the petition's all well and good and it's good to raise awareness and that kind of thing. And, and obviously, you've seen, like, the president tweet and stuff saying that they should play uh, college football and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it kind of, I mean, it just, just harks back to that uh, health point, doesn't it? And if you can't keep the general student population healthy and you're gonna is it worth for like what is one season worth like one person's uh, death or, or like long-term health problem that sort of thing so it's, it's a really difficult one and like but fair play to the players for standing up and uh, 
uh, and speak in their mind because like we've covered in, in previous episodes that this is obviously the start of something with a player power and um and you know and, and if they've got a cause that they want to get behind it obviously other people will and that's what we're seeing i think yeah it's trying to shred, uh, tread that fine line isn't it between wanting the players to have that power and wanting them to get what they want in terms of you know the the social justice kind of things that they want and the protections that they want and the financial rewards but then also the health aspect of it as well Kieran, you were talking in our group chat earlier on, I think it was, wasn't it, about Ohio State and what they're having to say about it. Would you want to enlighten us with a little bit of that, obviously being local to the area? Well, supposedly, the, uh, Sir Yacht, who's he's a, the C, self-appointed CEO of Ohio, he says, he's, a, he's had some credible information uh, before the seasons were cancelled, sort of called the cancellations and stuff, and he's saying that if Ohio State isn't playing, that then nobody's going to play. I don't know how credible that is, but mm. maybe Ohio State kick up a stink. I mean, no offence to Ohio State fans, but the, the fan base is a little bit... um uh, carefully here, not, mate. Not say, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was going to use a bad word. Uh, <laughs> they're, not, they're a little bit spoiled and can kind of have tantrums a little bit, but I can understand that, given given that they want to have a season in, in the fall rather than spring so but you know it remains on players being safe i mean a couple of lsu guys already have said hey like carrie vincent's the big one mm. he he was he's our number one dick and nickel cornerback and he said oh, i'm just gonna go train for the draft which you know some players can't afford to do that uh, and which is what i like about justin fields doing he clearly could just say hey um i'm gonna opt out and i'm gonna go train for the draft we saw nick bosa do it but there wasn't a pandemic on um so i think it's good that he's said hey, I do want the season. Even if it's not for him, it's for the rest of his guys to say, hey, you might only get some extra games, but that's enough tape for you maybe to get draft, and that's the difference between you earning millions of dollars or earning a, mm. you know, a nine-to-five in an office building or whatever. So, it, it, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see if this information is credible. Yeah, I mean, to me, with, with the way that it's been phrased, I mean, I know it's like one person's opinion or one person's information they're putting out there. Is it kind of feels like that thing when you used to play football with your friends at the park and someone got peed off and you know took the ball home, but it's not Ohio State's ball to take away. It just seems like a bit of a, a, a I don't know. I don't see what the mechanism is behind one team or one university saying I'm not playing or we're not playing, and then the rest then caves in. They already they already stopped like because the Big Ten obviously has stopped. So I don't I don't know I don't know how you see. It. Andy, have you got any thoughts on this? This Ohio State. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess if it was like two or three, like if it was them plus two others, I don't know, like, you know, someone, someone massive like Alabama kind mm. of comes swinging in and, and gets on that kind of level, then yeah, you, you can definitely see it, can't you? But I, I don't know, like you get all, all the head coaches that are coming out and saying they want to play and stuff like that and like Harbour and everything up in, up in Michigan and, and everything. And if they want to play, then... Uh, they they can just organise. They surely that, that something will get organised, Ohio State or not sort of thing. But if if like I said, if you've got Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all starting to go down that route, then maybe. But from what you can see, those those three particularly want to play, and uh, and they're lobbying hard. And like I just mentioned, I think you know. Um, uh, president getting involved and that sort of thing kind of puts pressure on the on the top brass of college football, who, uh, who are obviously influential uh, money wise and uh, and like Republican wise as well. I, mm. I guess is uh, so that all plays a part. I reckon. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think like I think you mentioned it yourself, didn't you? Maybe two episodes ago about the the fine line between politics and sport, and everyone wants that divide to stay where it is, but they are intertwined, aren't they? Especially you know in in America. So it's it's a it's a definitely another like say fine line to tread for the sport as a whole, really. But yeah, as you say, I think the, the SEC don't they want to they want to fall, John. So I don't think there's going to be any danger of that unless you know worse comes to worse and we get some you know mass player infections or you know even worse than that. You know, you know what I mean. Um, so yeah, I think we'll leave that there. But yeah, it's definitely one to watch, isn't it? Obviously, it's bubbling in the background now. We had a bit of an eruption uh, last week, which is you know what we discussed last week. Um, but yeah, for now, I think it's just bubbling away in the background. It's probably in the hands of lawyers and decision makers, isn't it? Andy, sorry, I'll come back to you there. You wanted to say something? Yeah, one very quick point. I did see the uh, statement from the uh, main guy in the SEC basically saying, I'd love to see the the, the reasons why, the or mm. the concrete reasons why the other two conferences had cancelled. It was it was a bit sassy, wasn't it? But it also <laughs> oh, yeah. kind yeah. of uh, spoke to the fact that they seem very determined to to play football. So, yeah, I guess I guess from that you can... It, be, it must be. He must be. He'll he'll be a bit embarrassed if it, if it backfires and he ends up cancelling their season. So uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think it. You know, he, he seems to have led himself down a path there where he can't really back out. Yeah, he's definitely up that hill to die on now, isn't he? <laughs> With his uh, statement that he made the other day, I think it goes back to what I what I was talking about the other. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, but talking about how the medical institutions that got out west with the universities out there, you know, UCLA, Stanford. Uh, Washington and you know having that kind of knowledge in their corner surely would make them more cautious but obviously make them more knowledgeable as well which I think um, you know is probably maybe why the Pac-12 is kind of together in this and also um, you know taking the route that they have done in terms of just shutting down and no one's kind of broke ranks in terms of you know the Big Ten have broke ranks massively and it seems a bit fractured now in the way that they're going about things you know with Nebraska first and Ohio State now coming out the rest of the conference is pretty silent um, and you know, we've not heard really peep out of anyone else really towards um, you know playing playing or not either way. They just kind of had that vote in the other week, and and that's been it. So yeah, like I say, <clears throat> kind of bubbling away under the surface. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll address this in, in in part at least over the next few episodes until the season begins or not. I guess um, until it really gets put to bed. But you know, that's for that's for future. Let's press on with our next uh, little segment of the show, which we're going to talk about transfers. Fantastic. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Um, put away the COVID stuff for another week, kind of relieved to get that bit out of the way. And now we can talk about some football, which is uh, a bit of a change from recent recent uh, programming. Um, we're going to talk about <laughs> Kieran's uh, pumping his fists on the camera here on Zoom. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about some transfers. So players um, that, we're, that we're thinking maybe want to transfer, maybe we'll benefit from a transfer. And uh, just, like I say, fantasising about it a little bit and putting them in a nice spot to, to get drafted right really highly or at least play some good quality football. Um, moving forward in 2020. So, who wants to go first? Who's going to put the hand in the air first and, and go n- number one and give us their one? Kieran, hit us up with your first guy. Probably not a surprise to a lot of people, but unless you watch a lot of college football, you've probably not heard this guy's name, and that's Trey Lance, the North Dakota State QB. Last year, he played what can only be described as lights out. I'm talking 28 touchdowns, no interceptions. 2,700 yards with another 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground. Now, he is at an FCS school. I know the stigma. I know you've, Carson Wentz is really the only QB who's done great in the NFL in recent years to come out of North Dakota State in an FCS school. So 
It, I think Trey Lance especially would benefit maybe going to a school like Arkansas because Arkansas isn't, you know, they're not really known for their air attack. But with a great QB like that who can run the option so well but can also hit guys over the top, he's got a big arm. He's crazy. When I say crazy athletic, this dude is fast. Like Lamar Jackson fast. He can take off. So I feel like if he went to a big school like an SEC, played because if you watch the SEC, there's a lot more NFL-style defenses in the SEC. So I feel like it would actually benefit him to go to a school where he's going to face some stiffer competition. Would probably, if he does as well there as he's done at NDSU, would probably bolster his draft stock from, you know, probably to a first overall pick if he can continue the momentum he's got. Big talk. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. I think, like I say, I've been a big advocate of this over the you know the past few weeks when all the Trey Lance hype train has been kind of bubbling up and and really like getting out of hand, in my opinion. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's had one really, really good season, like you say. You know, incredible stats. But at that level of competition, I don't think it would suit him to sit out. I think he does need some development. I think he needs some experience as well. I think Arkansas is a good shout. I think playing in the SEC, like you say, against top defences, for a lesser program as well. So he's got to throw the ball a fair bit as well if he goes out there. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good shout. Um, and yeah, we definitely benefit him just to get some more games under his belt and, you know, play, in a, play just play some more football really and, and, and see, if that, see if that level can be maintained, you know, because if he comes out and like you say, has that great season again, then we know that he's the real deal. If he kind of stutters a little bit in the SEC, then you can say maybe, you know, you've still got some time. You can stay in for your senior season and, and play another season for Arkansas or whoever that might be. So, yeah, I quite like it. Um, I quite like the shouts, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one for sure. Andrew, how do you feel about Trey Lance? Do you like him as a player? Do you think he should come out um, regardless or do you think a transfer is the right way to go for him? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think the transfer is the, the way to go. I think like, you've both covered the point that a little bit more experience against uh, like a bit, a bit more high-quality uh, defences and stuff would, would, would benefit him. But, I, I mean, just going back to the, the Carson Wentz point, um, obviously, uh, Kieran just mentioned there the fact that he's like the only one that's come from uh, the same sort of school and gone on to, to prosper in the NFL. And I think, and I think but I, I also think they're completely uh, different style quarterbacks as well. Obviously, I think Wentz is more of the pro style um, uh, than Lance is. And so I think that you can kind of get a bit more from his like mechanism and that sort of stuff just from watching him throw against like he could throw against no one really and you could kind of get some of the talent sort of uh, seep through there and, and, and be, be scouted whereas Lance obviously using his legs and everything like that I mean we see that all over the college game don't we Quarter, running quarterbacks who are who are dominant and, and but they, they don't uh, translate well to the, the to the big league so yeah I completely agree I think Lance should uh, should uh, transfer um hopefully to a team that plays uh, this side of Christmas as well because yeah I, I don't we, we just don't know what's happening with the draft do we and it's a massive risk to put all his eggs in the basket of playing in the spring and hoping the draft gets moved back because uh, I think he I think he'd still get drafted fairly highly anyway but um, but like you know you, you kind of wonder who who's going to hypothetically pick in the top 10 is going to take him over a, a Lawrence or a Fields really at this time but but like you say Kieran I think the prospect is there to go right up there with those guys so yeah he should he should transfer if he can maintain his level of performance then then great look forward to watching him on Sunday evenings yeah no for sure um I think like you said I think you've summed it up quite nicely as well uh yeah definitely moving on then just to I'm going to stay in the same school actually I'm going to go and go to North Dakota State as well. And I'm going to stick with his left tackle, Dylan Reduns. 
Um, he is a monster. You know, again, we don't see a lot of really good tackle prospects at this level. You know, we've just been talking about quarterbacks, but at that level, you need to stand out and it's easy to do so at the quarterback position. But um, Redunds is, is he's right up there. It's one of them, another, another head scratcher, really, when you think about how this guy, you know, didn't get recruited to a, a big school. And, you know, he's blossoming at that level and, you know, would be a really high draft pick. It's going to be one of the better offensive tackles in the draft class moving forward. And, and you know, there's a fair few good ones as well from, from what I've seen so far in this upcoming draft class. And he definitely holds his own despite, you know, playing that FCS level. Um, I'm going to move him across um, maybe in the spring. Um, I, I really tried to make it a little bit more geographical for this one. Uh, but I am hoping that the Big Ten are going to play for this one. I'm going to move him across to Wisconsin. Uh, obviously, we know the pedigree that Wisconsin have on the offensive line. You know, you can roll off the tongue of a lot of the top, top offensive linemen that have come through that school and, of course, the running backs that have come out of it because of the offensive line. They're obviously coached extremely well in, in, in that school. So this is a bit of a gamble. You know, I'm, I am starting off with a bit of a gamble, but I really wanted to get this guy in there because he's a top, top prospect who, you know, is going to be not playing. And like a bit like Trey Lance, what we've just been saying, probably needs that extra year, doesn't want a gap year of sorts to kind of lose that momentum in his development as well so hoping fingers crossed that the Big Ten gets to play at some point you know whether that be in the, the fall or whether that be in the spring and uh, yeah moving Dylan Redunds over to the left tackle uh, for Wisconsin Badgers as well I think that'll be a good uh, a great fit um, for the style of football they want to play and him as a player as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, I think the fact that you, like we just talked about Lance so highly, uh, you kind of got to come back to Redunds just as part of the avenue he's got. Uh, Lance's been given a lot of time to throw in the pocket and uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, I 100% agree with you. And, and what a place for him to go if he does. And, and you'd be looking top top half of the first round of the draft for sure, wouldn't you, if he, if he goes and excels at Wisconsin. And especially like a Wisconsin that's kind of probably going to have to, not, not like rebuild or, or anything, but they've got to kind of move on from the Jonathan Taylor uh, running game and stuff like that so and the O-line is going to be a massive part of uh, of, a, of of like you know we can do this with, Taylor was a was a good player but we can do this on a regular basis sort of thing so mm. I agree I think it'd be a good move for him. Kieran you were nodding your head through my little blurb there of Dylan Redunds how do you feel about it yourself? Yeah I, I agree with pretty much everything you said that the guy's an absolute animal oh it's back on now and um, he bullies people like we, we, if you've watched him play, he absolutely, it's like what it's like if I went and played against Pee Wee kids. He just manhandles people. <laughs> you know, you remember um, Boris Johnson tackling that kid in the rugby game? That's what it looks like. He plays people. It's like it's, a, it's men against boys, and you know that might that might be a consequence of the conference he's in. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if he goes to the NFL level, then he's going to be with people as big and as technical as him. But yeah, it'd be, be interesting to see. I think he's definitely got the mustard to, to play at the pro level. Uh, but it would be interesting, like you said, to see him at a bigger school and to see him against some guys who are definitely top-tier NFL prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd see him against some good edge rushers, wouldn't you, and, and some good defences uh, in the Big Ten. Andy, who's your first guy that you're going to transfer over for us? Sure, I was going to go with um, USC uh, safety uh, Talanoa Hufanga, who I uh, kind of—I mean, I've been—I've been doing a lot of watching of tape of uh, of the different quarterbacks ahead of what we were thinking we were going to do, like the Heisman episode. And I was kind of looking into Ian Book and uh, and Caden Slovis. So I watched the watched back the USC uh, Notre Dame game in full last year, and the kind of player that just like sprang everywhere uh, was Hufanga, and he was just making tackles from sideline to sideline, uh, like proper. 
were hard hitting. It was it was it was it was a real like, pleasure to watch actually, and so I did a bit more like digging into him, and obviously uh, you know he comes with a, like sterling reputation. Um, and like I think he's had a few uh, niggling kind of uh, injury issues and stuff like that. But other, so I, I've tried to think uh, strategically again and transferred him over to the SEC with the Tennessee Volunteers. And to be honest, the only reason I went through that is I kind of went through and looked at the starting safeties for throughout the SEC. And I thought this was the one where he'd uh, jump straight in and face like a challenge, uh, you know, like a really challenging schedule as well and just kind of prove himself playing in the box, mm. um, playing against like good run games, but also dropping into coverage and, and making those sideline to sideline plays. So yeah, I think we've got a, a certainly a, a future like Troy Palomalo sort of a player in the book there. Um, and yeah, like, you know, love to see him play this year. Love to see him come out. And, and I think his draft stock would do to no, no end of good if he did transfer to the SEC. Yeah, no, completely. Mate. I think the the USC defense has got a lot of a lot of big names on it as well. You know, the linebacker Gautioti and Jay Tufele as well up front, um, reliably informed that that's uh, Troy Polamalu's nephew, I believe. Um, <laughs> possibly, possibly. <Yeah. laughs> um, no, but it's a really good defense. I've spent uh, you know a fair bit in the summer watching a lot of USC players, um, and it's a really good, really talented team. You know, like you say, I think Keenan Slovis would have been one to watch had the Pac-12 have uh, been playing. Um, but it's just a shame obviously we're going to miss out those guys. So maybe quite a few transfers. You know, we're going to, obviously going to hold them and go through a few uh, each on this episode. But um, you know, they, they could have a lot of transfer candidates because they're a very, very talented team. One of, would have been my one of my picks for the Pac-12 actually. Had we got a season? That's it. People like uh, Amon Ross and St. Brown just kind of like again, he, he just fantastic player out the slot and that kind of thing. And uh, I just, I genuinely, I thought this was like USC's year to to. Like do something uh, special on the national stage, but mm. it's a real shame because I, I just think you know, like we watched like Pittman and stuff in that offense, and going back to that Notre Dame uh, game which I was watching earlier, and uh, and just what and like St Brown was was like you know it, I think uh, I think Pittman finished the game with, with like twenty yards and and three catches, and St Brown was uh, you know twelve catches and, and he'd gone for hundred yards, a couple of touchdowns. It was it, I, I just think he's a really fantastic prospect there as well. So USC mm. just uh, it would it's a real shame we're not getting to see them this year. I thought they were stacked and it could have been uh, uh, like a yeah a couple of Heisman candidates off their roster really. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, like you say, we will come. We will revisit Heisman candidates at some point. So maybe we'll revisit some of those guys uh, at some point in the future. Yeah, so like I say, maybe maybe one for another day. Uh, Kieran, what about you next? Uh, who's your second player? This will be no surprise given how much I love the state of Louisiana, but it's Lance Legendre. He's uh, he's at Maryland right now, but obviously two of Tango Bailoa's brothers just transferred to Maryland. I think probably be a beneficial for him to leave, let's say, given the uh, quarterback pedigree of that family. Uh, originally thought like Notre Dame might be a good place for him to, to go. Uh, Depending on if they have a season. Um, but also a school like Mississippi State. And I'm also sorry to my friend Kevin because he's just transferred and he's looking to get the starting job there. <laughs> so, but yeah, we, we were, I feel like Mississippi State would be good as well. You know me. I love the SEC. I think it's great for quarterbacks to develop there. You get to play a Nick Saban every year who's probably got the most complicated defense in college football. So, yeah, I feel like Mississippi State or maybe even Ole Miss would be a good place for him to go. Mm. Put him in like a spread, get get him throwing the ball a bit because he, he's shown he, he's, he can throw and he's shown he can run. So I feel like it'd be good for him to move away from 
Maryland. I'm, they're not the best school. I'm not I'm not going to upset any fan bases here, <laughs> but you know, it, <laughs> Maryland and Maryland. So I, I feel like it'd be good for him to step away, maybe go to a, a college football program with a bit of a high level pedigree, and then you can sort of see what he can do in some more complicated defenses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit of a complex one, isn't it? Because um, I'm probably pronouncing this wrong as well, but Tulia Tagvailoa, he's, he's been granted um, eligibility straight away, hasn't he, to be able to play. And you, you're not going to go from uh, from Alabama to Maryland if you're just going to sit on the bench for a season or whatever. You might as well sit on the bench playing and working alongside Nick Saban and playing for Nick Saban, even you know just on the practice field would have been probably better than uh, you know sitting on the bench at Maryland. Um, and we're not going to go where, <laughs> where we're talking about their coaches or their methods or anything like that um, like you say we don't really upset anyone or bring any controversy towards the podcast I think we've done enough of it, or I think I've done enough of that over the past two weeks with the way I've started this new season um, but yeah no it would be an interesting one I mean, I'll be perfectly frank I don't really know enough about him to, to, to go into a lot of detail but uh, but yeah again I, I echo the fact that um, if you've got a, a Tagovailoa a Tagovailoa brother that's just uh, moved over there and like he was he was adamant that he was going to take over from uh, from Tua for, for quite a while so he's obviously a very determined character there that's going to that's just walked into the quarterback room so yeah, uh, agreed. I think uh, I think it's it's you know the, I agree with everything you said on the SEC and I think as well. So mm. I won't uh, I won't pretend to to know the ins and outs of the player because I, I just don't. To be frank, do you want to hit us with your next player then while you're there? Yeah, go on. I'll go with uh, Abraham uh, Lucas, who I've got going from Washington State. Uh, it's an offensive tackle, mm. uh, left tackle sort of thing, and going over to uh, my uh, my team at Florida State, who. Quite frankly, have been uh, have been gagging for O line help for for the last couple of seasons. So, yeah, I mean, six foot seven, three hundred twenty four pound tackle, uh, another monster. I mean, we talked about uh, Redunds earlier, and like literally brutish force. Um, I mean, passing pass protection, it seems to be his forte as well. So that'll kind of give. Uh, you know, like the the the, the FSU quarterback uh, quarterback. Um, room a bit more confidence in standing in the pocket a bit because the last few seasons they've been uh, out the pocket and running around like it's going out of fashion. So, yeah, I think uh, I think kind of a bit of improvement needs in, needs in the running game in his uh, in his particular skill set before he moves into the draft. So I think yeah, it just makes perfect sense. And, and again, FSU seems to be a team like Touchwood that seems to be on the up again uh, with Norval in charge and, and some of the players that they've attracted uh, this off season as they, and they kind of. Again, they're another team that's got an NFL running back that's just left, so they're ready to kind of establish the run of a new back. And uh, and I think um, I think Lucas fits into that perfectly well. Yeah, for sure. No a player that I like, I like a lot. I was watching him in summer, um, and he was actually my number two offensive tackle in the Pac-12 after that guy who plays at Oregon. Can't remember his name. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I really like Lucas. Like you say, a, a giant of a guy, and yeah, very good pass protector. If you play in a Mike Leach offense, you're going to know how to pass protect, aren't you? Yeah. Aaron, any thoughts on uh, big Abraham Lucas going over to FSU? I like how you called him big Abraham Lucas. That That's the, one way to describe that man. He is huge. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like he's great in the system he's in because mm-hmm. just because how Leach runs things and that Washington offense is very flashy and very quarterback-based, but he doesn't get enough looks in run protection. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like you know, that would help him develop. We've seen him play. He's got great kick sets. He's got great hips, great feet. But it would, I feel like, yeah, it would prob- if he went into the ACC, he's going to be doing a lot more run protection, especially at Florida State. And I think he, he would be a big piece to help that offense 
uh, really function. So I, th- I think that's a great call from Andy there to uh, for him to go over. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in the pack twelve as well uh, and take another player out of there and, and transfer him. Um, out to the ACC as well. So I'm going to take Davis Mills, the quarterback from Stanford. Um, it was a bit of a make-or-break season for Davis Mills. To be honest with you. He's been sat behind KJ Costello, um, who obviously is you know down in Mississippi State now. We keep mentioning Mike Leach, and we've got this uh, little uh, links keep coming up with him. Um, and it was going to be really important because he's a, he's a senior. He's not played that much, but he would have got the chance to start for Stanford, um, obviously in quite a quarterback-friendly system with the way they run it with David Shaw quite a lot. Uh, but I've, I've loved what I saw from him when I was scouting him in summer. You know, super accurate, very, very intelligent player. Uh, doesn't have a lot on his plate, but I'd love to have seen that being expanded a little bit. And I'm going to move him over to Wake Forest in the ACC. Now, Kieran, when you were talking earlier on, you mentioned about trying to put a QB in like a spready offense of like an old Miss or something like that. It's actually a move I, I kind of hypothesized for Davis Mills. Uh, because, like you say, it would have been that simple system, that nice system for the quarterback uh, to kind of get his head around. But my my thoughts with not putting into Old Miss were the lack of weapons. Whereas with Wake Forest, you've got Sage Surratt who can come in, he can take over from Jamie Newman, and they can form that relationship and make each other look better as well. Because when Jamie Newman left to go to Georgia, I kind of feared for Sage Surratt and his his kind of production and having that sort of drop off at quarterback. And I know some people like Sam Hartman and, and like you know, how he is. Um, but I think, yeah, having Davis Mills will, will be beneficial for both of them. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I, yeah, again, uh, yeah, I like Mills. I think he can, I think he's got like NFL throws already on, uh, on um, his tape. Uh, decent arm strength, gets the ball down the field well. And, uh, and yeah, I think he's, you know, he needs to improve a bit on going through his progressions. Uh, accuracy isn't like particularly consistent at the moment, but when he does pull it off, it, it looks spectacular. So, yeah, I think I agree. Uh, Wake Forest, a, a good fit uh, all round, really. I mean, I, like, the, these leagues that are still playing seems to be the ones where you, t- you tend to go fishing for your NFL talent a bit more anyway, don't you? So I guess that's kind of like part of the reason they realise that their guys want to play and, and all that sort of thing. And, and mm-hmm. they're the big money makers. So that's the reason why, I mean, not to go back to the way we started the episode, but, that, but that's the reason why they're playing. So like, just it's just a showcase for, for people mm-hmm. like Mills, isn't it? And they get a bit more... Uh, get a bit more exposure to, to to big games. You'd have him up against Lawrence and and that sort of thing this year. So and, and you know the whole whole of the uh, the whole of America and, and and some of the UK are going to be watching uh, everything Trevor Lawrence does. So if he's on the same pitch and that kind of thing, then he's just going to get a bit more exposure, isn't he? And 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 then yeah, like I said, like you say, a Wake Forest just seems to fit with that. It's got a good receiving core. I completely agree. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that it's, it's only a small point on the ACC, but it's a slightly better league this year with Notre Dame uh, integrated into it as well. So that's another you know tough defense, another tough game for these players to go up against. Not just for you know hypothetically for Davis Mills, but for all these players that are hypothetically transferring and potentially a few that will transfer into the ACC. It's uh, you know it's, it's 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 a better ACC. I don't think. I don't think you'll tell me off too much for saying that with, with Notre Dame, no, in it? No, for, um, for sure, I think so. Yeah, I mean, like it's been, uh, the last couple of seasons, it's just not been uh, a competition really at all, has it? And and that's kind of where it's a bit sad from the FSU point of view because normally it was like quite competitive and and, and like, you know, like the, the Hurricanes have looked pretty uh, bang average and stuff as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, the, the more that those, you know, FSU and, and Miami can 
bring it back and, and make Florida the kind of capital of college football sort of thing again. That, that, well, the sooner they do that, the better in my in my book. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think a strong Florida is a strong college football, really, isn't it? All in all, with all the teams that are down there and the history that some of those teams have got. Right. Okay. Yeah. So um, enough with the, enough of the Pac-12 for a little bit. Um, we'll head down for another little bit of a homer pick uh, with Kieran. I know you've going, got a guy going to LSU for your next one. Chubba Hubbard might be the most talented running back in college football right now, and this is a very selfish reason why I'm sending him to LSU. I mean, we've got Chris Curry and guys like that. Don't get me wrong, Chris. I think you're a great player, but Chubba Hubbard is different mustard. Uh, you know, we've we've seen what's been going on with Oklahoma State recently. We've had a bit of a tumultuous situation with some of their coaches disagreeing with players on certain political things. So come to LSU, come to the Bayou. If you know anything about Coach O when he recruited Joe Burrow, he got him a pound of crawfish. We get we get you two pounds, Chubba. We we need you. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a good move for him once again. We've got great run protection. He can open up some big lanes, and that dude runs downhill like nobody's business. So it'd be great to, great to bring him in. It is like it is a purely selfish pick sending him to LSU. I think he could maybe do more at Alabama or something. But, but he he's he's a very talented guy, and seeing him tear up the SEC would be great because there's a lot of hard runners in the SEC with teams like Auburn, Alabama, and things like that. I think mm. if he could really shine in that in that conference that would really set him apart from any other running back in the country but he's al- he's already done that himself <laughs> but you're the champs you don't need anyone do you look the champs will remain the champs but a little bit of help look we're going to blow everyone out by at least 30 points anyway but if we get trouble we could do it by 40 so so it's just me trying to up the stats a little bit <laughs> and have you got anything to say on this absolute nonsense <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't know I think he'd be quite good uh, uh, safety blanket for Miles Brennan and stuff as well as he's trying to find his feet in that offence but uh, no I, I mean it would be unfair wouldn't it really And uh, <laughs> um, but yeah no, then you know you can't stop teams building super rosters can you you just got to get other teams that, that, that rise to the occasion so uh, yeah I wonder what Nick Saban would do in uh, in response and, and how, uh, how that response would look but yeah mm. I mean, yeah, if you were an LSU fan, that'd be a fantastic move. Yeah, you couldn't ask more, could you? Resign. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a story. That would be a story just to end 2020, wouldn't it? <laughs> on, uh, on the same note that it's been going through the whole year, really. Andy, who's your, who's your last guy? I think we're, we're kind of a bit of a friend to be united for this pick, aren't we, a little bit? Yeah, so I've gone uh, Nico Collins from uh, uh, Michigan to move him over to the Longhorns. I, I think, I, I really like Collins, actually. Um, he, he kind of, uh, I don't know, Michigan's a hard one to, to watch at the moment. And ever since he did that kind of Amazon Prime uh, thing where, the, you know, the, 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 I've got what it's called now, um, you know what I mean? They follow the team for the season, so they followed uh, followed Michigan, and it kind of really focused everyone in on like Tariq Black and uh, and Donovan Peoples Jones and that sort of thing. But uh, Collins kind of like the forgotten one, and, uh, and the guy that's there from the from that like quite historic 2017 uh, wide receiver class for uh, the Wolverines. So if he's not playing this year, uh, I, like I've seen loads of people like mocking him in the first round. For me, I'm not quite entirely sold on him uh, going that high just yet. I think he needs to, uh, a bit more production on tape. I mean, last season, 37 catches, 729 yards, 
seven touchdowns. Not obviously not at all bad at any any uh, stretch of the imagination. So, but I still think there's a, there's a bit more. He needs to get a bit more separation on his routes on, on his routes and stuff like that. So, I've got him going to the Longhorns. I think uh, Sam Ailinger pushes the ball downfield fantastically well. Kind of would look to really uh, draw Collins, uh, you know, over that thousand yard mark and, and and into the well into the first round, frankly, and and, and be not not too far off uh, Jamar Chase if uh, if still trailing in his wake slightly. But uh, obviously, uh, I already mentioned Tariq Black and he's already gone over to the Longhorns. So it'd just be interesting, like a bit of a test for, for, for Harbour as well to see if uh, <laughs> if the Longhorns can get a bit more out of him than uh, those guys than, uh, than he could. But yeah, interesting one. I don't particularly think it will happen. Uh, I think Collins probably, if he does anything, he'll, he'll just sit the, sit the season out of whatever and declare. But uh, it'd be nice to see him in the... Uh, with the long ones and, and, and getting that downfield action from Erlinger. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Kieran, you're a fan of Nicole Collins? He's really, really talented. Like, that guy can run some great routes. I wouldn't want to see him at Texas just because then we have to play him. And that that's, that that's trouble I don't want to have to deal with. But I think Texas is probably great for him. Sam, Sam Ellinger can move the ball great like you said and you, you stick him on like a fly route or something and just let him tear up the seams he would be amazing and that Texas Longhorns offense would just be scary with him on the team like obviously you got you know even with Shea Patterson thrown to him he looked good so it, it's like uh, I'm not going to talk bad about people <laughs> but <laughs> even with Shea Patterson thrown to him he looked good so with a top prospect like Sam Ellinger thrown to him that he would just he would go off. Don't worry about talking. We, we can talk bad about people. I, I'm, I'm sitting here biting my tongue about Sam Ellinger. You know, long-time listeners and long-time readers of Full 10 Yards will know. Not, not a huge fan. Oh, I think he's a dick, but <laughs> he can play. <laughs> I don't know about that. We got, I, I would, we got there eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coaxing it out of people. No, I think he's all right guy, in here. I just don't think he's a very good football player. I think he's a good college quarterback. I don't think he'll ever be anything in the NFL. But well, that's maybe another another episode altogether. Bit of the Johnny Manziel about him, you reckon? Uh, yeah, particularly a bit of maybe the, with him being a fullback. Maybe he's got a bit of Tebow about him. I'm not really sure. Um, you know, we'll see. Anyway, we, he's we a started. Big boy. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I say, fullback. I think we're starting to go down this path now. I think we'll have to stop. Moving swiftly on. Okay, so um, kind of someone who sprang to mind almost immediately. You know, hearing this news for our episode was um, a, a very very talented player. Who I actually had ranked very, very highly for last year's draft, which he didn't actually declare. Instead, he retired quite uh, out of the blue as well. It was kind of a bit of a surprise. And that's Grant Calcaterra, who was the tight end for the Oklahoma Sooners. He retired uh, kind of out of the blue, as I say, um, but was ranked by me, especially very, very highly as a tight end. Would have been my tight end one in what was a bit of an iffy and quite shallow tight end group. Coming back this year, he's obviously open to offers, so he is a player that will transfer. I know quite a few of these are maybe more like I say, more sort of our thinking and our speculation rather than realistic ones, as Andy's just said. And now, you know, he's, he's kind of one that he's kind of open to the the pool, isn't he? Really, one guy who needs some playmakers, especially mismatch playmakers, is um, that quarterback at Clemson, Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, he's lost a few. T Higgins, John Ross, and Need some, need some playmakers, need some guys who can catch in the ball and, and score some touchdowns as well. And I think Krakatera would be that guy. Uh, you know, huge guy, can run routes, can run down the seam really nicely. And 
he might not be tight end one in this class because we've got you know a lot of good tight ends. You know, Charlie Kohler, Pat Frymuth, uh, Brevin Jordan, Cal Pitts. So you know he might be not breaking that kind of top echelon, that top tier in this draft class, but definitely a playmaker that can make some noise. And <laughs> I thought we were on the scene of Lion King then for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. And... He's just decided he wants to be on the podcast. Sorry. Just for the people obviously aren't listening to this or watching on this on Zoom, we've got Kieran. He's just lifted up his cat, like the iconic Lion King scene. Um, anyway, that's back to football. Um, yeah, so you guys, take, take the mic off me here. Talk to me about Grant Carpenter. What do you think about him moving? And you're potentially going to Clemson as well, but obviously a big, big transfer there. Yeah, go on. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll chip in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought, yeah, like you say, I thought it was a, it was a shame that he uh, like chose to retire last, uh, last year. And, but at least he's coming back now. I think he's a great pass catcher. Um, and basically, like NFL-wise, I think he'd, he'd be a rare tight end, and he'd kind of offer you a, uh, a passing threat in in the first year of his uh, of his professional life. So, yeah, uh, be great to see him uh, again. Like selfishly, ACC-wise, not so much. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I think it, I think yeah, like you say, be be a fantastic uh, safety blanket for Lawrence and kind of game a, a, an almost NFL-style. Uh, tight end as well, straight out of the bat. So that'd be nice for him. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to offer a whole lot in pass protection or anything like that. And I think you can, you can get in his face and disrupt him when he uh, when he like takes off the line. So, uh, yeah, there, there are definite a couple of weaknesses in his game. But in terms of, uh, he is basically just a receiver, isn't he? A big bodied yeah, receiver. Like so, Ingram, isn't he? He's a big, yeah. big body tight, uh, big body wide receiver, should I say? Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, like great again, great show. I like the fit. Um, yeah, and, and I'd, I'd hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Kieran, what about you? What about your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it was it was weird to see him retire, actually. Mm. But you know, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen to college players that mm. you might not know about, like that we never hear about. So, yeah, seeing him come back, I think Clemson's a perfect fit. Trevor Lawrence is obviously one of the top quarterbacks in college football right now, if not the top of the top. I mean, could be at LSU, but who could? He he is uh, with a with a tight end who can run routes like that. It's fantastic, and his hands are good. And you watch him play; he almost when he catches the ball, he almost catches the ball like Julio Jones because he uses his body and hands mm. in perfect sync to to control balls and and jump over players. He's he's so big and tall, especially in the end zone with Lawrence's accuracy, you can really high point some balls up there and he, he's just going to completely moss people in the end zone. So I think, think having him there, because uh, obviously, like we said, Lawrence has lost a lot of weapons. He's got a, got a lot of guys who he can't, you know, he's not going to be able to use anymore, even though he's got like a great running back in, in Travis Etienne and stuff. It, it, it would be good for him to have a big, reliable end zone target who you know if there's only uh, like you've got six foot tall DB on him. He's going to catch it 10 times out of 10 against a smaller guy. So it would definitely be great for Clemson. I think would really augment their offense and he could easily pick up 10 touchdowns and a thousand yards in that offense. Yeah, for sure. No, I think, like I say, I think it's a good, good fit um, and a good playmaking fit as well. Um, for Clemson and you know something to look forward to the college season which we've not got a lot of thoughts to look forward to as things stand so obviously we've, we've kind of gone through there we've given a three each um, obviously we've left out Justin Fields no one kind of opted to take Justin Fields obviously he wants to play if he can't what, what do we see for Justin Fields do we see him transferring do we see him maybe maybe going or do we see him just opting out of the season because he's obviously got his, his draft stock kind of cemented already isn't it okay, what do you reckon do you reckon Justin Fields will, will just opt out 
if he can't play, he'll opt out. Of course he will. He'll just mm. start training for the draft. I don't. I'm not going to say he's a particularly loyal player, given that he's already transferred once. And also, I don't know what the transfer rules are if you want to transfer a second time. I know where he's like a big star quarterback. He'll probably get, you know, the NCAA plays favourites, so they might help him out there. But I think if he opts out and just trains for the draft, stays healthy, I think that's probably his, his best choice rather than have maybe playing in spring, depending on what happens. Because, you know, You've heard me say it tons of times before. There's no no point going back for your senior season, especially if you've already got good draft stock. So maybe playing in spring would not be the best option if he's got his draft stock fairly cemented already. So, you know, I I don't think he's going to transfer given that he's already done it once. But yeah, I, I think honestly the best thing for Justin Fields to do is if he can't play is opt out and then just go straight for the draft and he can go start making millions. Yeah, it's, it's the injury risk as well, isn't it? Again, you know, if he plays in spring, puts off, gets injured last game of spring, spring season or something like that, it's kind of written, isn't it, that something like that will happen to someone? And you know, it's always unfortunate we do see that. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully it didn't, oh, sorry, help, didn't hurt Nick Bosa taking a year out to, mm, to not get injured true. and focus on the draft. So, you know, it, it might not be a bad call. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully everyone enjoyed that. I mean, um, it's you know very interesting conversation. Something that we'll see maybe over the next few weeks, kind of developing as, as players start to kind of decide about what, what what's best for them. I guess over the next few weeks and months, or you know whether they just want to opt out and prepare for the draft. Whether, when when that will be, we don't know obviously yet. But you know, maybe if you can think of some others, you know, I think we've got a few honourable mentions of teams. But if you can think of some, give us a tweet at Full Ten Yards CFB, and we'll see if we can build maybe like a little bit of a transfers team or something like that out of uh, out of the suggestions. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So, like I say, hopefully you um, enjoyed that um, little transfer section. So, what we're going to do now, just just do some plugs, really. Kieran, um, we'll start with you. If you managed to resurrect the the Heisman's article, or is that is that going through the dead now? That is dead in the water. Dead in right the water. Now. <laughs> Given, I, I'm I'm gonna. I've been doing a lot of tweaks just based on what we're hearing in the news, but I'm I don't want to release anything until we know what's going to happen with the season. And obviously, mm-hmm. you got you got to know what the Heisman committee is actually going to do this year um you know i got a couple of things we're working on for college football um talking about um the pac 12 actually interesting uh a couple bits about justin herbert that people chargers fans might not like <laughs> yeah chargers fans <laughs> might not like it because oh, really? uh, okay, uh, i basically <laughs> think he's just mitch mitch jabriski with long hair but but uh you know 20, 28% of his passes were screen passes and he only completed like 70 some percent of them. So we, we, I've got some issues to talk about with him. I don't, he's got a super high ceiling. Don't, don't get, don't cut me off just yet, Lee. Mm. He's got a super high ceiling. But it's, say, it's mate, how, you'll be back. <laughs> how, 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 how the Chargers, how, how the Chargers really deal with him. And I think sitting behind Tyrod Taylor would be good for him for a year. So yeah, I've got a couple couple things to talk about. I want to talk about Oregon, Oregon State as well. So because I see some interesting things there, and also going to talk about Cincinnati, the Bearcats. They they've had a real resurrection of their college football program the last year. So mm-hmm. I kind of want to talk about that and the big things going on down here in Cincinnati. So that that'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think your 
your angst and your ire needs to be directed towards Marcus Arroyo. That's what I'd say. But yeah, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a joint article about that because I'm, I'm a bit of a Justin Pepper fan, not just from obviously the way he got drafted, but was before. I can do the cons, you can do the pros. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's sort it out. Um, hopefully going to work on some sort of schedule for some conference previews as well, but obviously with all that being up in the air, kind of uh, not not putting fingers to keyboard at the moment on that one. Uh, but we'll, we'll kind of keep our eyes peeled for those when, when we've kind of got some confirmation. In this plug section, obviously, I want to give uh, give some cadence to your new venture, Andy, as well. Do you want to tell, tell the people about that as well? Yeah, nice one. Uh, you put, like, if, you, if you've seen me at all on, on Twitter, it said you'll know I'm a Dolphins fan. So we've uh, a couple of guys that have uh, big Dolphins fans. We've just kicked off a, off a new uh, podcast. It's called the Dolphin UK podcast. And uh, and you can like follow us on Twitter, etc. as well under that name. But yeah, just, just interesting. Like, like Lee, you, you do your Chargers one, which I'm sure you'll give a quick plug into in a second. But yeah, it's, it's good just to talk... Uh, about your team, isn't it? Really, I mean, if I could, if we could do one about Florida State and stuff, I, I, I'd get involved. But I, I don't think many people would listen in the UK. I don't think the, <laughs> the, the the fan base is quite as big for college as it is for the NFL yet. But uh, but yeah, obviously, uh, great time to be a Dolphins fan. Uh, got a very exciting prospect in the building, um, and seems to like what what was supposed to be a horribly despondent uh, season last year. Somehow it came out as a positive in the end with the, the last few games, just uh, started rocking down the stretch and went into New England and uh, beat Brady in his final regular season game in uh, in Foxborough and stuff. So, yeah, a lot of uh, momentum it's seemingly there and a very weak AFC East uh, with Brady's departure and uh, and still question marks around Josh mm. Allen, even though the Bills are... Uh, the the uh, king elect of the uh, of the division plus uh, just uh, an abject Jets team with uh, probably <laughs> the worst uh, head coach in the NFL, which is fantastic, but also um, a big opportunity for us. So yeah, co- give us a follow, give us a listen, man. It'd be uh, great to hear your thoughts. If any Dolphins fans out there, we're uh, yeah, and we're, we're, we've got quite a good uh, series of like guests and stuff. Hopefully lined up. We're fingers crossed. We're getting uh, Nat Coombs and stuff in the in current weeks. And we've got a, a former NFL scout and stuff coming up. So should be quite interesting. Excellent. Yeah, no, sounds brilliant. And it was your first episode. Was it last week? that you first yes, kick yeah. off yeah so yeah like I say any as Andy says yeah, any Dolphins fans that are looking for some new content to listen to give give them a listen over at the Dolphins UK podcast I'm sure you can find it everywhere that you can find all your other podcasts just like Full 10 Yards I'm sure sure thing yeah yeah. Um, so yeah I think that's about it for us lads um, like I say we've got a few articles on the way uh, podcasts I think we're going to be here every week until the college football season stops uh, whether that be in the spring next year or whether that be in two weeks time we'll sort of see how it goes Hopefully, we you know, powering on through a good college football season and all the way through to the draft. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. Um, so is the NFL. Sorry, say that again. There's always the NFL. <laughs> there is, yeah. And obviously, the lads at the full time now do a great job of, uh, of covering the NFL as well, including some of us on, on occasion. Um, but, yeah, no, thanks again, lads. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for your time. Uh, and I think we'll get out of here. And, um, yeah, we'll see you all next week. So, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.